2: Surprisingly, i Wait
1: for your next mistake. I put in work and my All right, and here walls, we go with another wall. special edition of Punt veteran. and Pass. This is the Punt plan. Pass the man, Pandemic Podcast. Job, another like wall, edition yaw, of the Quarantine Chronicles. The f- Got a great two-man team, a tandem of guests. Both are on the PGA tour in different capacities. One Former Georgia golfer, PGA Tour winner, Keith Mitchell, joins the show. And the other is a pro jock, JT Poston's caddy. A great follow on Twitter. His name's Aaron Fleener. At Aaron Fleener on Twitter, recent champion of the 2020 Players Championship. Caddy, 17 at Sawgrass Accuracy Championship. I guess that's what you call it. Follow Keith as well on Twitter and Instagram, at KM Mitchell. Follow the show at Punt and Pass. And follow me. At Drew Butler. I said it. It's the Quarantine Chronicles boys. I really appreciate y'all joining me. Keith, I'll start with you. How are you, my man?
2: I am I'm I'm winning the quarantine battles currently down here in St. Simon's. There's uh not much to do ever here, so it feels like a normal, normal little week off. It's pretty I'm doing great.
1: He's doing great, Aaron, and you're in Nashville, Tennessee, usually a spot where there's tons to do, but I feel like that might not be the case right now. How are you, my man?
0: I'm good, man. I'm just sitting here on my couch with a watermelon white claw, um, just hanging out, just uh, like Keith said, it kind of feels like a normal off week so far. The only problem is, is we got about eight more of them in a row to go.
2: So it's we'll a lot see. of watermelon white
0: clogs. that's <laughs> me in a few weeks. We'll see how I'm
1: dealing with it then. Yeah, it really is crazy. Just unprecedented times right now. Uh, let's start off on a good note, a positive note. Aaron, you did something really cool a couple weeks ago in lieu of the terrible tornado that ripped through Nashville, Tennessee prayers up to everybody who was affected by that. You're obviously living in Nashville, but you got a couple of golfers yeah. to sign off and donate when they made birdies. Mm-hmm tell us how that went, how it's going and where our listeners can help out. If interested.
0: Yeah, we, um, so I, uh, JT agreed to, you know, kind of match, you know, what I was putting in, uh, for his birdies, uh, for Bay Hill and players, um, to help out Gideon's army, which is a charity here and on the North side of Nashville, up, up in an area that got hit pretty hard. And, um, yeah, we had a, I mean, it got a lot bigger than I thought. It turned into a, a lot more, a uh, lot more housekeeping stuff that I had to do uh, than originally thought. But that was, I mean, that was great. And um, so I kind of uh, finished everything up yesterday, kind of got some texts out to guys that had probably forgotten about it, which, you know, it's understandable with everything else going on. It included and, me. <laughs> um, that included me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh yeah, had a few players involved, had uh Keith and JT and uh Max Homa, Lanto Griffin, um just to name a few that, that got involved and a few caddies, uh Keith's Caddy Pete, um, Gino Benelli, Abe Answer's caddy. So a lot of guys, a lot of support from the tour guys and uh ended up raising uh just under right around twelve thousand dollars. So that's awesome, I mean, man. When I when I came up with the idea, I thought it would be awesome if we could raise you know two three four thousand dollars would be a pretty good pretty good deal, and I uh, ended up doing a lot better than that so um you know that was cool that was a positive to come out of uh yesterday uh just kinda try to do one thing a day that I can be like, "Oh well, I got that done today so
2: the White Claws today, and that was yesterday. I like <laughs> where we're headed. And that's a, I, yeah. I like
1: that as well. Pretty interesting trajectory, but like you said, pick one thing, get it done, and that was awesome on your part, and, and obviously, huge thanks to all the tour pros that were involved with raising money for Gideon's Army. Keith, you've been playing pretty well, man. T5 at Bay Hill, 71 on Sunday, got you qualified for the Open Championship this year, the British Open, as a lot of golf fans stateside know it. Watching that tournament, man, and seeing the carnage that was going on, I, as a golf fan, like that. I like to watch you guys struggle. I like to watch you guys grind out pars where even par is a good score. I mean, I guess relating it to a football game, do you guys enjoy watching football when it's an absolute battle? Maybe there's some bad weather or it's a snow game. Or would you rather see, you know, that Rams-Chiefs game from last season where it was like 51 to 54 or what have you?
2: i tell you what. It is is awesome. I don't think we could do it every week. I think mentally and physically it would be completely draining to play a golf course that hard every week because we did it at the Honda the week before and then Bay Hill. I mean, you can ask Aaron, even from a caddy standpoint, how – draining it is because us as players having to lean on our caddies more. We get more frustrated because we make less birdies. It's just like a snowball effect of, of tough. So it's great. We love it. And the Florida swing always brings that out in golf. And the best way to describe it is you get rewarded on great shots, but you get penalized on your average to not great shots. And that's what separates the hard courses from the easy courses, because some courses you can hit a bad drive, but the fairways are wide and the rough's not very long. And you're still making birdie because you can hit it up on the green and make a putt or the hard courses. If, you know, you miss a tight fairway and you're a deep rough to a firm green. You're just trying to find a way to make par, let alone birdie birdies. Not even a question. You're trying to make par and, and try to eliminate the big number. So, it takes a lot of strategy. It takes a lot of mental toughness, and it takes a lot of physical, of like where you're hitting it, how you're hitting it, et cetera. And it exposes your game. So I think that's what's great. In some courses, you might go and shoot twenty under and win. And then, I mean, last week, at or a couple of weeks ago, last week, I mean, the last week we played was Bay Hill, um, which wasn't you know because of all this. But what won there, Aaron? Was it was it four under? Yeah, four under. I think four under. Four under one Bay Hill and six under one the Honda. I mean, that's insane. That's major championship golf stuff right there. Yeah.
1: And w- from, a, from a player perspective, and Aaron, I kind of want to ask you about this as a caddy as well. You hear so much about the dichotomy before from the West Coast swing to the Florida swing, everybody's talking about I'm a West Coast guy, I love the Poe Greens, and then you hear the guys come to Florida, the guys that live down there in Jupiter area, say, man, I, I, you know, I grew up on Bermuda, I love the grainy stuff, I can read it better, I can play on it better. Is that as real as it seems from the player's side? And then as a caddy, do you kind of deal with the same situation of such a big difference? You want me to go? Yeah, let me hear what you say.
2: Um, I,
0: I think there are guys that play better in Florida than they do on the West coast. um, and I think it's just a preference thing. Uh, the greens are definitely different on the West coast. Um, Poe is harder for, you know, a guy that grew up in the South. It's hard, harder for that guy to read Poe or to just, you know, be okay with hitting it great all day and shooting one under, you know, you, it to 20 feet all day and you might make one or two um and then i mean also on the west coast it's a little it's a little cooler in the mornings there so you know trying to figure out how far your your guys clubs are gonna go um is a challenge uh when you're not used to playing out on that that part of the country and um so yeah it's it's a different uh for the different coasts for sure it takes some adjustment especially once you play on the west coast and then you come to florida and you kind of got to re uh you know recalibrate everything
2: true But you're
1: kicking yeah
2: well when you're kicking i want to bring this into football when you're kicking how much easier is it to punt in a dome than it is outside
1: yeah huge i mean even from field turf to like soldier field or you know those northern like when i was in pittsburgh They get really sandy late in the year because the grass ain't growing so well. They just got to dump a ton of sand on it so you guys can get some grip on their feet. I I totally agree with you. I mean, and as a golfer, I know how it is going to play on POA and trying to putt Bermuda. I mean, it's crazy. It it absolutely is. I just, you know, hearing guys talk about it so much, obviously, it was a legitimate difference. And like Aaron said, you go from Riviera one week to PGA National the next, it is – It's wildly different. It it is completely different. Now, Aaron, you've gotten some fame over the past couple of weeks, really since last year, the Zurich Classic. You bust onto the scene. You sang Colin Baton Rouge, I believe, uh, as the walk-up song. JT Poston, and was Keith his partner? Who was his partner in that tournament? His
0: partner was Steven Yeager, who was a guy I worked for before JT. So both really good friends uh, with each other and of mine. So... Yeah, that was fun. They kind of, uh, I think they kind of tried to set it up to, like, embarrass me a little bit, like, <laughs> thinking I wouldn't do it. Um, because usually when I'm doing that song, I've had, a you know, a few Couple watermelon, watermelon white claws. White Claw. Yeah, man. And uh, <laughs> so I've got a little more courage. But, you know, that's that's a song I've been doing at karaoke for years, so I was pretty comfortable with it. And I got to the T, and the, the guy that was, you know, the marshal on the T or whatever was like, uh, so are you, know, are you going to do this? And I was like, yeah, just give me the mic, get out of the way. And so <laughs> can, we,
1: can we get can a little bit that? Rip, here, rip it can up? you play the background? Yeah. Fire, fire it up, dude. Let me hear, uh, let I me think hear I, I to this. All right, I'll I do get this some.
0: Literally, on every podcast I ever go on, they ask me to sing that song. <laughs>
1: well, we'll save it for the end, then. And I'll queue <laughs> I'll up the music. We'll save it for the end. But um, you kind of added to that fame, especially after the shortened and canceled Players Championship. You stuffed it on seventeen Wednesday. They have the annual caddies challenge, where every caddy takes a shot at the pin on seventeen at Sawgrass. I mean, you flagged it, dude. I think you hit it to a couple of feet. I'm I'm watching the video right now. I just retweeted it follow Aaron at Aaron Fleener on Twitter, but what were the nerves like there? I mean, is it the same as trying to sing in front of a couple hundred people on the first tee at the Zurich?
0: I mean, the, I really didn't have nerves on 17 that day because I didn't have any expectations. I mean, I played like nine holes of golf this year before that and hit four (laughs) balls on the range before we went out that day. And JT's teacher was there and, he just, I was hitting like, I was hitting them flush, but I was hitting like big pull hooks and his teacher's like, you just got to hold it off at the bottom. And I was like, I don't really know what that means, but okay. <laughs> and then I hit, I hit one good one before we walked off the tee. And so I just had that feel. I don't know if like you ever got that in kicking warm ups when you just, you just need to hit that one good one. Oh yeah. And it doesn't matter if you've hit the previous five, like awful. If you just hit that, get that feeling. And um so t- I told JT on like fifteen, I was like, dude, I was like, I don't know what this means, but I like feel pretty confident about this shot. I was like, so you know, I guess we'll see what happens, but I feel good about it. And so we got over there and I teed it up and just let it go. I thought I honestly thought it might go in when it took off.
1: Did you get some hardware? And Did you get so- some cash? Yeah,
0: I uh, so the players put up a pot, I guess, in the locker room, and so I won. Um, I don't really want to say how much because then people are going to be asking me for loans and stuff. But oh, okay. it was enough. Okay. It was enough. Five figures. Meaningful, and then you know, once the tournament got canceled, and we realized we had two months off. It became even a little bit larger that uh, you know, I won that little handful of cash there. So um, yeah, they sent me a cool drawing that a guy did um it's framed and so it's that'll be something i'll always keep and just be cool it would always be a fun story to tell people when they see it at my house or something so
1: that's awesome keith is it is it as, yeah. as nerve-wracking as they say on 17 at sawgrass i mean is it noticeably different from thursday to sunday or is every day like pretty much walking into that same 16 at waste management feel
2: it's pretty much the same throughout the week that's for sure and I would say that the most nervous I've ever been on that hole was after I hit in the water and had to go take a drop. And when I took a drop, I got a bad lie in the drop zone. I was like, wow, I could be here all
1: day. <laughs> oh, God. Like it
2: is, that's the most the most nerve-wracking shot on 17 is the one after you've hit in the water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would make so, a lot of sense. It, that would make a lot of sense for sure. Yeah.
2: It's it's really not that bad when you're just trying to hit the middle of green with a wedge, but then you get real nervous if you miss a green, which you will. Like it's I don't know if anybody's ever hit the green every round they've ever played the players, unless they've only played there like one time. So yeah. it's going to happen. I mean, we've only
0: played we've played five rounds there, and JT's hit the green every time. But that's you know that's only five rounds, and I did during when I was out walking the course early in the week. I did go actually look at the shot from the drop zone and like went up on the green, and stepped off some different <laughs> yeah, angle numbers. I was like, I was like <laughs> I'm not going to tell JT I did this and have these numbers, but if we need them, then I'm going to be glad that I did it. So
1: that's, that's awesome. I like
2: that. That's impressive.
1: That's proactive right there. Keith, you got a pretty uh, famous cat of yourself, Crunch Man Pete. Obviously, everybody's familiar with him if you follow Keith on Twitter and Instagram. Is he who you show him to be? I mean, what is he doing right now? Is he backpacking through Tibet with Himalayan monks? Like, what's going on with Pete? What's he up to?
2: If there's anybody I'm worried about in this little bleep in life, it's not Pete. Would you agree, Fleener? I mean, that guy can live off the I, land for three months. Yeah, this has not changed Pete's life one bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's just
1: – he's another day. Today is Friday in Pete's life. Is that—is that what I'm getting he's at? He's going
0: to make the most out of every day no matter what he has to do that day. If he has to caddy a golf round, he's going to go caddy a golf round, and then he's going to probably go for a hike by himself somewhere. Like, this has not changed his life whatsoever.
2: And he is more – so whatever I can portray – that uh, whether it's on Twitter, it's on Instagram, it is just small pieces of the whole picture. It he's more like we portray him than we can possibly ever portray him. I mean, so it's, it's, he's just a legend.
1: He makes the Dosakis man look boring. I mean, Pete is the world's most interesting man. I'm, is that what I'm understanding? Yes. That's that's a unanimous. Yes, I love that. All right, cool. Let's get into some questions here. Got some from social media. Got some for myself. Spoke with Harris English earlier this week. I asked him some of the same questions. These are stuff that the guys who listen to the podcast want to know. Obviously, we're a football podcast, but a lot of people who listen are huge golf fans as well. Keith, I want to ask you, what is your favorite course that's not on tour? And I'll take ocean forest and the no. sea island courses away from you. What's a course that you just love to play that is not on the tour rotation?
2: In the honors course in Chattanooga for
1: and, sure. they just, and they just closed that down unfortunately I saw that uh I saw that email going around opening weekend was supposed to be coming up here pretty soon, unfortunately, and you're a member there as well, right Keith I mean you're Chattanooga area guy,
2: yeah, is my spot. I grew up in Chattanooga, I lived there until I went to Athens and then moved down here to Sea Island. And I would probably still live there if the weather was half as good as it is here in Sea Island and the golf courses. I mean, the honors is closed for, I guess, almost four months, which is the most important four months of my, of my time at home when it's off-season practicing. So it just doesn't logistically work to live in Chattanooga, but I love it up there. And you got Sweetens Cove. I mean, Sweetens Cove is Yep probably the epitome of what golf will soon be for the masses instead of golf only being like Augusta national and places like the honors that are trying to be really exclusive and, you know, member driven where places like nine hole tracks like Sweden's Cove is appeals to everyone. And the new place in Atlanta, Bobby Jones. I mean, how big of a success has that been? I mean, yeah. that's just what golf is going to move to and it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing.
1: No, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Next question. Who's your best friend on tour not living on Sea Island or from Georgia? Got to take those away from you.
2: That's a – you took a lot of people. Yes. Or do you (laughs) have friends outside of your bubble is my question. Well, I mean I would would immediately go to Steven Yeager, but he's in my bubble because I went to high school with him. So outside – how about this? People that I did not know until I got on tour. Is that's that, a good is one. Is that a better way to play that question? Yeah, that's question? a good one. Yep. Aaron Flaner. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that. Thank you. Well, i tell you, you what. A li- You're welcome. You're welcome, big Cat. I would say that there's a group. The, best, the most surprising – and, you know, Drew, I get the questions a lot about guys on tour. I would say – the most surprising person is Tony Finau. He's got to be the nicest human alive. And he is so nice. Like, obviously, I didn't know Tim until I was on tour. He's a superstar. Doesn't act like it. Gary Woodland, same way. Such a down-to-earth guy. He won the U.S. Open and is down-to-earth as can be. So I would say those two guys, um, in terms of just quality humans, those two guys are way at the top of the list.
1: Those are two great answers and two stud golfers, obviously. I want both of y'all's answers here. Aaron, I'll start with you. What's your favorite tournament every year? And we'll take the majors out. I mean, Augusta's probably a given. But what's your favorite tournament that you and JT get to go to each year?
0: Man, I mean, the players is up there uh, just because, I mean, obviously you're playing for a lot of money, great golf course, you know, great field uh but just like the off the course thing like i had a we have a great house we rent every year and have four caddies stay in and um jt's dad and a bunch of his buddies stay at a house like 70 yards from us and so um like we went out and had oysters in their driveway last week it's just really fun and then uh another tournament i love is waste management i mean i think you either you either love it or hate it and uh I really like it. I stay with my buddy Colt Nose every year at that tournament. And, you know, he's a lot of fun. And then, you know, the golf tournament, there's just a lot of energy out there. And it's,
1: uh, it's pretty fun. Keith, what you got?
2: I like Charlotte. Charlotte's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. a good one.
2: I mean, it, it, feels, it feels like a major way, the clubhouse and the golf course and, you know the, I mean, there's a ton of fans out there, and it it really, I mean, it it does feel like a major because they've had a major there, and they're going to have a Presidents Cup there, so that's why it probably feels like that. But I think Charlotte, hands down, because I kind of count the players as a major. I mean, it really is. It's the fifth major. It might never go in down in history is that way, but us as players really. And the think money
1: it is. is just insane. I mean, two point seven to the yeah. winner. Uh, five year tour exemption, three years into all the majors. I mean, that's just crazy. Like you said, it's a major. They just don't call it a major.
2: Well, the the world ranking points are higher in that one than any other event because yeah. they take the top 125 guys on the PGA tour and then top guaranteed top 50 in the world. So the mo- there's more world ranking points in that event than there is because the U.S. Open only takes top 60 in the world and then qualifiers. So, like, I mean, you can have a cl- local club pros qualifying. And then on, tour, on the players, the only way to get in is top 125 on the PGA Tour from prior year and top 50 in the world. So it is yeah. the best world ranking event of anyone. So I know people are, are in where most of your listeners are, Georgia guys, and they think the Masters is the end all be all. But as a tournament for world ranking points, the players is tougher than the Masters because there's 144 guys or something in the players and there's 80 something to 90 in the masters. You got to beat an extra 50 of the best players in the world to win the players.
1: Yeah. Harris kind of uh, echoed exactly what you were saying, you know, especially Harry being down from that area. He said the players it's it, man. And most guys on tour would certainly tell you, Uh, Aaron and Keith, I need both y'all's answers here again, just, Everybody who plays golf and listens to this podcast, if you have a good round, you celebrate, you look back, you go, man, I just – I grinded for 18 holes. Can't believe I did it. I was so good on the greens. You guys have to do it for four straight days, right, Thursday through Sunday. So with that being said, obviously, tote in the bag or playing 18 holes, like afterwards, you're just – you're exhausted. How do you wind down? I mean, Keith specifically. Do you have a couple glasses of wine Thursday, Friday night? Aaron, do you sit back? Do you guys hit up a bar, have a few pops, just to kind of relax a little bit, or is it like locked in Thursday night, ready to roll, make the cut, head into the weekend?
2: Twitter, well, you that know, one. Mine's going to be boring. Mine's going to be boring. I don't have a good answer, so you give it yes. to me. <laughs> I
0: mean, I I
2: don't drink. Hardly at all during tournament weeks. um That started out that started out shaky. <laughs> I don't drink <laughs> during tournament week. I, our job's
0: so physical and so like if if you're on a football there,
2: podcast, don't forget
0: <laughs> it is a long it's a long day. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I haven't ever drank the night before around but like it's not a fun day. It is, it's like worse. And so, I mean, we get, I mean, obviously now we get a ton of weeks off, but you know, without the, this break, we still, I get 20 weeks off a year basically to do whatever the hell I want to. So I kind of try to save it for those. Now, like if we have a good week Sunday night of that week, yeah, we're going to go out and let loose a little bit. Um, you know, and uh, Keith can talk about, um, his win, but I know when JT won last year, like, yeah, we're super excited. He's got a bunch of friends there. And, like, in your mind, you've always pictured, oh, we're going to go out and have this wild late night. But, like, it's exhausting mentally to win. Like, you're, you put yeah. so much into it. Like, once your adrenaline finally wears off and you have a couple drinks, you're like, man, I'm, I'm wiped. Like, I'm tired. And so, I mean, we went out for a little bit the night that JT won, but I mean, I was probably in bed by, you know, eleven thirty, midnight, something like that.
1: And then you got to pack up and go. You got to go to the next spot. It ain't like you're gonna have a week yeah. off, or it's not like you have till Wednesday to hang out. So, I totally yeah, get it. We I started mean, the playoffs. That's under. That's 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 crazy, Keith. What about you? You said you had a boring answer. I'm guessing that just means you guys are locked well, in as I mean, you should be.
2: Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, I'll occasionally have a drink during tournament week, um, depending, but it's, it's not, I mean, Drew, it's kind of just, it's part of your job. Like once we, it's, it's habitual now. I mean, I've been doing, I've been on tour. This is my third year on tour. I was two years on the Corn Ferry tour and a year on the Latin American tour. So I've technically been on, you know, playing professional golf for six years and it's just kind of like, I would say the only time I had trouble was when I played Saturday at the waste management with John Rahm and Tony Finau this past year. And there's, they said, you know, unofficial numbers were like 350,000 or something out there that day. And I'm playing with the lead Tony Finau, you know, almost one John Rahm's second player in the world. And there's all those people out there. Like that was hard um to cool you know hit the brakes when i got done i mean i felt like i'd run a marathon driven and rode a nascar and then ran a kickoff back for a touchdown because that's as big as <laughs> yeah. as big as our big as our stadium gets if that makes sense like you know we can play in some events like hilton head or sea island and it's just you know casual golf fans rooting you on you know it's on tv it's different but when you're there yeah and you're playing in front of 300,000 people, and you're trying to calm your nerves to hit a flop shot, like, it's, it's hard.
1: No question. And then on the flip side, like, say you have a week off, and you're at home, and you hit up Ocean Forest, out there with your buddies, late nine or whatever, are you loading up the cooler and having a few pops while you play, or is, or is it just, hey, I'm going to go get some work in, and then I'll do that afterwards? i
2: tell you what. I am, I separate golf and drinking because if i'm going to drink that means i'm not taking golf seriously yeah which means if i'm not taking golf seriously the last thing i'm going to do is quote unquote go to the office and
1: practice yeah no i I, I I don't i mean i i I, I totally get it i I just think it's interesting for for (laughs) listeners to hear because you know again to bring it back to football it's like hey drew do you ever um, you know, go practice punting and, and have a few beers? Like, no, obviously you don't do that. But golf is so synonymous with, you know, Friday afternoon rounds, fill up the cooler, have a stove. Well, a good
2: question. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, it is. And I'm not saying I haven't. I'm just saying if I'm going to spend the day having fun drinking, I'm not going to go to my office. Yeah, that doesn't I, mean I don't think golf's not fun. It's just not what I do.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And And I think the funniest thing about it is, if I come to Ocean Forest and I'm playing with you, transfusion sixer, transfusion afterwards, and if you come to a football game to watch me, you're in the stands and you're certainly not drinking water. I just think it's funny, you know? I think it's yeah. uh,
2: That that's so true though. It's so true. Now, I mean, definitely golf is 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 like you said, more, that's more of the atmosphere because it's a lot easier for people to go out and have a few beers and play golf for fun than it is to go punt footballs in the stadium. And have fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, as much as I wish I could do that, it's um, i want to spend my days. If I want to, if I want to have fun and relax, I'm going to spend my days hanging out, you know, whether it's it's on the dock or at the beach or at a buddy's house, you know, just doing that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. All right. Last golf question for both of you. Then we'll talk some SEC football. Who's the guy I don't that kind of over golf
2: anymore. I like that's, that.
1: <laughs> that's good. Then you and I can <laughs> know, link up, bring the, bring the white claws. We'll definitely, we'll definitely have a good time. Who's the yeah. golfer. I want both of y'all to answer this one. Who's the golfer that kind of just makes you say, damn, like I, I can tell you again, I keep bringing it back to football, but a kicker or a punter and you just kind of look at this guy and go, shit. I mean, I, I can't do what he's doing. We're in a whole different ball game. I gotta play a completely different way than he is. Or even when I was in Arizona my first year, 14, we were playing Seattle Sunday Night Football and Cam Chancellor walked by me. And I was like, what the hell am I doing on this football field right now? I mean, this guy is a <laughs> freaking animal. Who's the guy that you see on the range or, or during the week where you just go, this dude's on another level?
2: Cleaner? Well, uh-
0: I mean, it's easier for me to answer this than Keith because Keith can do a lot of the things. Yeah, that of course. The top players in the world can do. But I mean, I can't do it at all. So, like, I'm impressed when I see any of them. But a guy, when you see him hit it, that you're just like, holy crap, is Rory. Like, it's he hits it so high and so far. It's like not even and he's real. He's
2: so small. And yeah. He's and he's and five. He's, and he it's not like you're watching it's not like you're watching Dustin and Brooks hit it 330 because those guys are huge I mean Roy's 5'7 and I mean yeah he's he's definitely built well um but he's not like you you don't look at him and as some ridiculous you know athlete when he's he's just a small guy that's yeah and he in the fact that what he can do with the golf ball is insane so I think that's a great answer cleaner because it is such, he's such an anomaly where, you know, if you yeah. see, if you watch Brooks Koepka walk on the range, you're like, Oh, that, that guy hit the bar and smashes it. You know? I mean, of course he does.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So i want
2: to flip this question on his, on his head a little bit during, instead of looking at players and saying, wow, that guy's different in that way. I want to say that guys like Brant Snedeker yeah. in the way he, in the way he puts the ball with that stroke, and the same putter he's had for 20 years, with a real poppy, short, fast, jabby stroke, and he has been the best player, but well, probably excuse me, the best putter in the world for however many years. That to me is impressive because you know people talk about talent
0: mm-hmm.
2: of like how big and far and high a guy can hit the ball. Well, that's talent on Brantden because he's defying, like what all the teachers in the world are teaching you how to putt and how to hold the putter and everything. He's doing the opposite and being the best in the world. And JT, you know, who Cleaner Caddy's for, it does it kind of the same way. He's very unconventional in putting. And he's one of the best putters in the world. And I kind of look at people like that where you're like, look, every lesson I've ever gotten in putting is telling me the opposite to do what y'all are doing, and y'all are two are the best putters in the world. Like that to me is, is really, really kind of what's, what stands out.
1: That's great perspective. And going back to JT's win last year at the Wyndham Championship, I mean, he went 65, 65, 66, 62, bogey-free 62 on Sunday. I mean, what the hell are you doing during that 18 holes, Fleet? Are you just staying out of the way? Because yeah. that is insane. That's like pitching a perfect game. What are you saying to yeah. him? Are you guys even communicating, or are you just handing him the putter and letting him do a putter walk? Well, he was
0: – I mean, <laughs> he played that whole league bogey-free
1: holy shit and so, i mean
0: that's
2: insane yeah first yeah. time since 1970 or something
0: yeah i think the last guy to do that and win was like trevino back in the 70s and um but yeah i mean that that whole week um you know he was he was pretty spot on with with everything and so you don't have to those are the easy weeks for caddies when your guy's on i mean you just kind of give him a number and then just get out of the way. And I don't, I don't read any putts for JT. He does that all on his own. And, um, and why shouldn't he, like he said, he's one of the best putters in the world. So why would, why would I get involved? I missed, you know, four putts inside eight feet yesterday when I played golf. So, um, uh, you just, you try to keep it light, you know, keep it normal. Like, you know, I would always be trying to make him laugh if we were in 30th place or, you Know in the lead, so um, I think I did get a little bit intense the, the final few holes because he looked at me when we were walking down 18 and you know I wasn't saying much. And uh, he looked over at me and he was like, Are you having fun yet? <laughs> I just started laughing. So he ended up being the one to kind of have to break the ice there on 18 because I was just like so in the zone and uh. So that, you know, Which that was a fine walk so for cool
2: for a player to say when, if a player says that coming yeah. down the stretch in the, he, heat of the he, moment and says, are you awesome. having fun yet? I mean, that shows you how cool JT is because that's so like to think that, to be thinking that way, you have to be so chill. <laughs> Look at your caddy. Who's the one trying to keep you calm. <laughs> and as we all know, Fleener is the co- most calm, cool collected guy out there for the player to go, Hey man, you having fun yet? Like that's so tight.
1: That is awesome. Were you feeling the same way, Keith, last year when you won the Honda and Kepka and I think Ricky were breathing down your neck? I mean, that bomb you made on 18 was awesome. Um, did you have a sense of the moment? I mean, that was – I jumped off, off my couch when you made that putt. I mean, that shit was sweet.
2: I mean, I was – I don't know. I was – my adrenaline was jacked. I was, those two guys were chasing me down. And I felt like I was at war. I did not. I, I did not say anything JT said. Now after that putt went in, I felt the same way. Hell and yeah! Uh, and Twitter, Twitter you guys tell the yeah. story about about what they ask after we won.
0: Oh yeah. So to uh, to go back to when Keith was winning, I was out there and. Keith was in the zone like and we weren't he didn't know that I I had already we finished I'd gone and showered and come back when I saw he was like could win and so when we got back out there we weren't saying anything to him like just letting him do his thing and um, I'll say this it is so much more nerve-wracking to be outside the ropes watching one of your best friends trying to win a golf tournament than it is to be inside the ropes and be caddying for the guy that's trying to win the golf tournament. Like, cause you have zero control outside the ropes. And so I was freaking out. His mom was freaking out. Lee, his agent was freaking out, you know? And um, so anyways, we, he makes that putt. We're all on the green, um, you know, celebrating right after. And um, he's tells like the lady in charge of like setting up the locker room for the celebration, like, Hey, just go talk to, to Fleener over there, like, (laughs) but you know, whatever we want in the locker room. And so I was, I was like, yeah, maybe just like some, some food and some, uh, some Tito's and soda. And she was like, okay. So she like relays it on the uh, radio or whatever. And so about, you know, 15 minutes later we wander into the locker room and there's no Tito's. It's just tons of bags of Cheetos.
1: And soda water. And soda water. Now, is that before you keep going, is that like, uh, (laughs) is that just, you know, in line with the tournament? You guys, you win the thing, you're going to get what you want. Or did you have to like cut them a check after that, Keith, or Venmo them?
2: Oh, no, no, no. They
1: took care of everything. It was awesome. awesome. So, did you finally get some Tito's in there and you guys celebrate properly?
0: We did. I I called her over and we got in there. I was like, I think we some something got lost in translation here. That's like, hilarious. We wanted some vodka, please.
1: Did anybody even touch the Cheetos? I guess is that that's the important question. Oh yeah, I, out oh, of out of like, sure.
2: uh, yeah, I think it was out of the sentimental value of what had happened that we were like, all right, this is pretty funny. We gotta have some Cheetos now.
1: That is funny as hell. You know, it's unfortunate that the tour is off until. Mid May, but with that being said, uh, before we get into football, my last thing I promise I think golf media is in a pretty unique and, and good space. And and Keith, I guess you can kind of touch on it, but like the no laying up guys, I love being on uh, Gravy in the Sleeves PJ Tour Radio. I listen to those guys because I got to know some of their buddies when I lived in Arizona. I'm trying to weasel my way to be like their college football correspondent for the summer and fall while y'all are still playing. Um, but the podcast well, that are out,
2: Fleener's boy.
1: Yeah, well, hook it up, Fleener. Yeah, I was gra- on with those guys a couple uh, of weeks ago. So, yeah, what do you think best, about? Man, uh, I- yeah, what do you think about golf media, especially with you know? I know people love the dump on CBS's weekend broadcast, but I think weekly from Golf Channel to No Laying Up to to Gravy in the Sleeves, I think th- I think it's in a really good spot, and I think it, it makes the game very approachable to everybody.
0: Yeah you can, you can get whatever you want. I mean, if you want like a, you know, a silly way to look at the game or like, you know, see the crazy side of God's personalities that's out there. If you want like, you know, real instruction from teachers and and players that's more serious, that's out there. Um, You know, I, I feel like everyone and their brother have a golf podcast now. And so that's, that market's a little saturated, but I mean you can just it's a lot of different personalities though and you can kind of find what you're looking for and and listen to that so I think it's great that there's a lot to choose from
1: absolutely no yeah doubt. I
2: mean drew to bounce to bounce off that I think Aaron said that best is is you pretty much have the ability to choose what you prefer and now because before it was very simple you listen to you got your media from the pga tour.com and you watch whatever was online i yeah. mean whatever's on tv excuse me and that was it and now you have a bunch of avenues like there's so many there's like golf course architecture podcasts now
1: like i mean talking about
2: deep diving into wow. golf like you can you can do whatever you want where before you know you only had one source of golf and everything else you had to find on your own i mean there's so many different avenues like if you're an equipment you know snob then you can listen to the golf works and all the equipment report and all that stuff. So, I look, I, I don't have a problem with any of it. The more, the better. And yeah, it is saturated, and it's harder for names. Like, I can't imagine how many podcasts Leiner gets asked to do, and I get asked to do just in the golf world alone. Really, and it's hard to pick and choose. Yeah, oh yeah, it's hard to pick and choose which ones you do because you know it's the same stories kind of over and over, just in different, you know, different you know niche of people. But at the same time. You know, that's the more the better for people. It's just, you know, for the fans uh, is what I'm saying.
1: No, absolutely. You know, I love golf, and, and you know that about me, Keith, and I love watching it, as I'm sure you guys love football. I love golf to get away from whatever I'm dealing with day to day. I just have a passion for the game. And with that being said, let's talk about some football because, with all the craziness that's going on, I mean, we're supposed to be ass backwards in March Madness right now. We're supposed to be stuffing wings and beer and gambling on the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. That's not happening. If everybody takes the quarantine seriously, and I hope, Keith, I mean, my God, if for some reason football season gets put in jeopardy by this damn coronavirus, I mean, the South will burn up. There's no question about that, but there's no spring football right now, which I've talked about with a couple of guests this week. I think Georgia is not really in the best position to not have spring football, right? You get 15 practices. You have your G-Day game, which is the inner squad scrimmage in Sanford Stadium for all the fans to watch. New quarterback. New offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. And then you had the strength and conditioning coach from Alabama coming over to be our special teams coordinator. We need a new kicker. There's a lot. I mean, I trust Kirby. I trust what's going to happen. I think Georgia will be good next year because their defense is going to be awesome. But this is a pretty valuable time all across the SEC, and it's been yanked out from underneath those guys. It's going to be an interesting 2020 for Georgia. Let's just kind of – I want your thoughts on the state of Georgia right now, Georgia football that is, and um, are you excited about the season to come?
2: I did. I am. I mean, like you said, it's kind of one of those things where I'm not even thinking about it not happening because I don't even want to put my mind in that dark and deep dark of a hole. Um, I would also say that I've never watched a Wake Forest football game in my life, which (laughs) has going to be a lot to do with our new quarterback. And the only stat that I saw that was negative, because obviously there's a lot of positivity about this guy. I'm not going to be, you know, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but he scored like what, seven points against Clemson, which is your toughest event. So, you know, that was one of the big things I looked at was, you know, how's he playing his big games? And I'm sure there's a lot of other stats to be positive about that, which I would love to hear. But like you said, I mean, those fifteen, those fifteen things could be huge for us to get us. You know, he's going to come in, in the summer and have what? How long? How long do they have to practice for their first game, Drew?
1: Well, I mean, you get 30 practices before your first game that you're allowed to be with the team. Who knows what it's going to be like? doesn't seem like anybody's going back to school by the time graduation is, which is early May. A lot of times those guys will get a a couple weeks off in May, and then you enroll in summer school, so you're there June and July, but you can only work out with the team. So, like, Jamie Newman would have to contact all the receivers, and of course this is already going to be set up. But all you can do is seven-on-seven seven drills with no coaches. So, like, it's just guys out on the field at Buttsmere throwing routes, and then some DBs come out and they get some work done. Like, it's it's just more so for timing and familiarity. But, you know, those 15 practices, a receiver would have become big. A running back would have stepped up. You'd have seen a couple of young guys on defense get some shine. Jamie Newman could have showed that he was really going to be able to run the offense that Todd Munkin should be able to. So... Unless the NCAA and the SEC changes the rules, which they may based on what all happens, you get 30 practices before the first game, and everybody has that. And obviously the first game being a- against Virginia, Georgia should be pretty well suited, but it's invaluable. It is absolutely invaluable. And speaking of invaluable, um, that's pretty much the state of Kentucky football. I mean, they, they lost Lynn Bowden. Um, I don't think they're going to be very, very... <laughs> competitive next year Aaron what are your thoughts on that I know I know Kentucky is this. this is Kentucky fandom and I've had a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Kentucky fans since starting the podcast because 2017 2018 really 2019 excuse me 2018 when Benny Snell was being compared to Herschel Walker Georgia was going up to Commonwealth Stadium for the SEC East Championship and I mean that game was over with eight minutes left in the first quarter so Kentucky fans love to <laughs> hype up football, but as soon as the football is out, hey, we're a basketball school, Big Blue Nation, let's go Coach Cal. I understand the, the predicament that you're in right now. There's no March Madness. Lynn Bowden's gone. Sorry to uh, sorry to kind of drive you deep there, Aaron, but how are you feeling about Kentucky football in 2020?
0: I mean, I, I'll admittedly um, say that I do not keep up with football recruiting or day-to-days or I I mean, I honestly couldn't name probably 10 players that'll be on our team next year, but I still like, I mean, I'm a fan of Kentucky football. Like I'll watch the games. I'll go to games if I can, if our schedule allows Um, it's fun. I think Kentucky fans have a whole different expectation level than Georgia fans, obviously. So, um, you know, for me, if we go to a bowl, that's a great football season for us and you know if we're in games that matter with Georgia like you were talking about then that's exciting for us even if we get blown out or lose it's like man i can't believe we were actually there you know so i think it's uh it's it's probably easier to be a kentucky football fan than a georgia football
2: fan
1: yeah um, yeah i mean that makes sense and you know i'll give you this,
0: this. So different.
1: i'll give you this when georgia does play in lexington it's awesome it's a great late fall yes, weekend. It's usually back. the opening weekend of Keeneland. Like, it is it is fantastic. And you kind of realize, like, I love how passionate Kentucky fans are, regardless of how quick they jump off of football and onto basketball. I just think it's great. And I love their rivalry think, with Tennessee. I mean, I think what Stoops has done there is incredible. Oh, he's a great coach. He's a fantastic coach. There's no doubt. I thought Florida he State might have tried to get
0: it. Like he's getting guys, I mean, that we didn't used to get. And so... You know, I, will we ever win the SEC East? I don't probably not. I mean, if we have like a awesome team some year and everybody else is kind of down, maybe. But like, you know, like I said, it's kind of. I mean, we view our basketball like you guys view your football, and yeah. vice versa. And so, it's uh, you know, I don't I don't have no hate for Georgia because. You guys don't beat us in the sport that we really care about and we don't beat
2: you guys in the sport that you really care about.
1: So <laughs> that's even this year sense. we had a
2: chance to beat you in the sport that we y'all cared about, but
1: it's too uh no, oh, well, that's that's, that's exactly true. That's exactly true. So Keith, um are you optimistic about twenty twenty? I know you said the Jamie Newman stat against Clemson gives you a little bit of pause, but Georgia's position pretty well. It's going to come down to a couple of games. It's going to be the third week of the season in Tuscaloosa. It's going to be Jacksonville. And then depending on those two, maybe they're in Atlanta for the SEC championship. But they're bound to uh, to stay where they've been, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would like to say that those two matter, but we've talked about that this year, and we still made it to the SEC championship game, but we all knew that we just weren't, you know, we just weren't there. And I think... I'm a little bit concerned. I don't wanna I don't wanna compare Grayson Lambert to oh Jamie Newman, but what made you bring that game up? Like, well this is Virginia, the first game, and he we had a new quarterback that was a transfer and that everybody rallies behind because we're Georgia and we that's a positive. That is a good thing about playing for Georgia is everybody rallies behind you and everybody's rallying behind Jamie Newman, giving him all the confidence he needs. But the, wor- the thing I hate is when if something goes wrong, then all everybody's like, oh, he's not good. He didn't have any competition, blah, 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 in his old school. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't rally around Jamie Newman. That's exactly what we should do. It's exactly what we do to everybody that comes into Georgia that yeah. has any kind of hype for the big man on campus every year when the new guy comes in. Everybody's around him, like from coming in this year, he was going to be the highest in the number one draft. And he has a bad year. And then all of a sudden, all <laughs> you hear is just all this, Negativity and crap. So I'm just trying to keep my expectations in check. So if Jamie Newman plays and he takes us to Atlanta and he wins us the national championship, then I'm excited. I'm not expecting it, if that yeah. makes
1: sense. Well, you're a very reasonable Georgia fan, Keith. And and uh the best part about Bulldog Nation is that the majority of them may not be as reasonable. And that's exactly what it sounds like you're saying. Guys, uh I appreciate your time so much. I need one more answer to this last question. We are in sports hell right now. It is a massive hiatus. Fleener and I were talking before the podcast started recording about the the void that cannot be filled by March Madness not being here. But I told him, the world will be depressed the first week of April when there's no Masters. Keith, is the Masters going to happen in 2020? It seems like that week in October is picking up some steam.
2: Oh, that is the impossible question, Drew, I'm going to give you my two cents on it, which is probably wrong, but I'm going to give it to you. What probably happened was the masters reached out to one or two organizations about a 1% chance of having it in October. And, you know, the hotels, like, you know, they asked about this and they asked about that. They asked about the schools just in case it could happen. And what happened? That person told somebody that told somebody, which made everybody think it's going to happen in October. I mean, all they had to do was make like one phone call to one hotel, and that person in the hotel told everybody, told everybody, told everybody. Now, if it happens, great, but the logistics of having it then is going to be tough. Now, the Masters can do whatever they want. They're their own entity. They're not part of the PGA Tour, so I'm not going to put it past them to offset another tournament with the PGA Tour. Do I think it's going to happen? My answer is no. Yeah. Do I want it to happen? Yes. Does the Masters want it to happen? Augusta National want it to happen? Yes. Do the players want it to happen? Yes. I, everyone wants it to happen. I don't think it will happen. And if it does, I'll be the first to say that I'm excited that I'm way wrong.
1: Hell yeah. No, I totally agree with you. I looked it up. When that, when that week in October started getting floating around uh, this past weekend, I went on Hilton's website and I looked up that newish Hampton Inn right down Washington Road. Rates were like ninety dollars for the entire week per night, so like I was sitting there going, "Man, should I book?" Because you can cancel seventy two hours before, uh, you know, it would just be sitting yeah. on a reservation. Yeah. I saw yeah. some golf riders do the same thing, and then the the hotels canceled those reservations. And then the, since then, the prices are eight hundred dollars a night, as expected. Aaron, what's your take? Is it going to happen? What do you? I know you guys are set to be in it. So what's the what's the deal there? Yeah.
0: I mean, I just have to believe it's going to happen or I'll lose my mind. So yeah. I can't even
1: <laughs> I can't like even it. acknowledge
0: a world in which the Masters is not happening. I, know. Know. I agree. I agree. I you're couldn't right, agree more. I'm gonna, you're right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add something that, that just happened uh, just to show you how weird this quarantine has gotten. I just got a text from a friend that said are you up for officiating a super small wedding tomorrow like a room of eight people
1: (laughs) there you go dude that is uh so
0: that's that's where we're at people are asking me to perform small weddings now
1: so um
0: i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen i just i'm supposed to play golf tomorrow so i'm I'm probably gonna have to say
2: no but live stream it live stream it we have a couple white calls on the golf course, and then film the wedding. And then we'll all tune in. And then that'll be have something to do tomorrow night.
0: Instagram Live.
1: There we go. You can sing Garth Brooks while you're out there as well. You can sing Garth Brooks while you're out there as well. Boys, I really appreciate the time. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Follow both these guys on Twitter and Instagram, at Aaron Fleener, at KM Mitchell. This is Punt and Pass, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at... Drew Butler. We'll be back next week with more of the Quarantine Chronicles. Keith, Aaron, appreciate y'all. We'll talk to you next week. See you.